Annyeonghaseyo. Hello and welcome to the Hello Taekwondo podcast, the podcast for passionate martial artists. I'm your host, Josh DeBerardinas. Today's guest is a 7th degree black belt in Taekwondo and firearms instructor from North Carolina. Owner of Concord Taekwondo America and Right Sight Training, he's joining us today in what's actually a two-part episode. In our episode today, part one, we're going to take a look at the relationship between martial arts training and firearms training and explore why you might want to consider training with firearms if you haven't already. Make sure you guys stick around to the very end to get a short preview of next week's episode where we take a more in-depth look at self-defense law and the different levels of situational awareness that could help you avoid putting yourself in danger. Hope you guys enjoyed the episodes. I'm happy to introduce Mr. Sean Baxter. Hey, Mr. Baxter, welcome to the podcast. Glad you could make it. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, so you are a Taekwondo instructor and a firearms instructor. So you you actually teach both Taekwondo classes and then you also have firearms training courses like concealed carry courses. Is that right? I do. And it's kind of interesting because, well, uh, typically most people see a fairly hard line uh, where the two don't cross. Um, especially uh, martial artists, they typically have a fondness for uh, media uh, in the culture, the movies, uh, martial arts, and they, they look at farms as like, well, I, I you know, you know, I, I can't, I'm 14 years old. I can't get a gun. So, um, you know, have learning some Taekwondo, that's going to kind of level the playing field and put me up at a slightly different, uh, level you know do you have people wonder why why do you need a gun if you're a black belt oh well, well certainly um um that's great if you're a black belt and you're faced with someone that has a gun and they have the distance you have to close that gap before you can do something because well you know unless you got inspector gadget arms that right. just shoot out you know, out of it, um, uh, and wrap around that guy's uh, arm and having a skill set for hands-on is important. Having a tool that can affect that as a force multiplier at a distance is also very important because that's a much longer range. Now we're talking about. Where do you think so. that idea comes from? Where do you think that idea comes from of because it's in movies, isn't it? Of like, it it is it, it it is exactly. But and and movies have this idea, and I feel like culturally, where guns are like low and dirty, and like you know, punches and kicks are high and honorable, and I it's it's interesting that distinction, and I wonder if that might be why a lot of martial artists don't carry because it's it feels like you're cheating it's like oh i'm not a real martial artist if i have to have a gun but like you mentioned you know if you're you're not going to kick them from 20 feet away if they if they are pulling a gun on you a lot of that i my thought process on this is that it, since martial arts typically got a lot of their start in eastern asia and southeast asia that the Bushido code uh, of samurai when they would go onto the battlefield, oftentimes if they, um, if they're facing another uh, samurai, they'd be hollering out their name, their family lineage, and uh, potentially their rank. Uh, Interesting. Um, where they are before they go into battle. A lot of martial arts have that idea of the like honorable fight, but self-defense is not that self-defense is not that at all. 
Well, you can you can do what you think is the honorable thing and still go to jail for the rest of your life. So many people run into problems because they let their ego talk for them. Uh, I had, uh, oddly enough, I had a lady in my class uh, the other day and, and she, she was going uh, for concealed carry and she wanted to uh, uh, carry concealed and then if she ran into trouble with someone that was giving her a hard time, could she just threaten him with the gun and uh, it, that would be okay? I'm like, well, no, that's, that's a actually aggravated assault. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you could go to jail for that. Um, that's the, and that's the thing that I'm trying to teach my students is that whether or not you, you take martial arts or whether or not you uh, uh, take gun foo from me okay. <laughs> <laughs> is um, you can't go to these tools. You can't go to the gun and go to these tools because you felt that your ego is at stake or that your honor is at stake because it's not. And that's, uh, that was never a thing with Bushido it was never a thing with, um, with samurai that's just a thing that you picked up from hollywood or when the, you were a elementary school kid and you and somebody called you a, a name and you decided you're going to throw down and, and and you know scrap with him and fight with him. and now now you're an adult and you get to go to jail and potentially uh incur a greater than zero chance of being injured or killed the clientele that I typically get in the uh, firearms training world, um, something in their life prompted them to want to uh, um, learn self-defense, but they don't look at, they didn't consider that martial arts and the effort and time frame that's required to do that um, would fit with what they're trying to get to. They, they're trying to fat, I guess, in a sense, fast track their own self-defense by um, getting a tool instead of getting training. And what happens is once they get some training from a good qualified instructor, they also, they learn that there's a spectrum of self-defense, whereas having skill set of, um, empty hand combat or empty hand self-defense is definitely uh, needed more often than say uh, lethal self-defense. Most of my students will probably never ever have to use deadly force in defense of their life. However, in the advent that they are, I want them to err on the side of uh, the law for right. one and survive the uh, actual encounter uh, as being rule number one one as well so there's that balance now do you think that other martial artists should also you know kind of dip their toes into the water of uh firearms uh, a lot of them already do a lot of them you'll 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 be surprised how many um black belts have well okay i've got my black belt i've gotten this i've got so many degrees on my belt here um, let me see what else is it out there. So they sort of expand their, it's having the whole pie, so to speak. Well, martial arts, like you get, you get a slice of the pie, um, a pretty good chunk of the pie, 
Um, and then there's this other piece that, you know, you don't ever hope you, you don't ever want to have to use, right. Um, but it's there. <laughs> no, you don't want to take a piece of that slice, but you, 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 uh, you practice at it. Um, uh, most martial artists will never have to use uh, their martial art to defend themselves. Um, that is just the case. However, the ones that do come out of a, an encounter much, much better than, say, someone who's never received any kind of training before. Uh, they're much more um, uh, they, they, uh, aware of their surroundings. They have a much better um, understanding of how uh, that encounter should go, and they don't have that that thought process of like, what do I do next? If you can remember how, uh, when you were that brand new green belt learning to free spar and, and you had two hands and two arms and you didn't know what to do with each one of them. So you <laughs> threw everything all at once, round hoping kicks, that you'd actually, kicks, kicks. yeah, yeah. And the guy would punch at you and you would punch back at his arm <laughs> instead <laughs> right. of punching at a target because you didn't know. Now, you know, fast forward several years into this, you've had umpteen hours of hundreds of and hundreds of hours of free sparring. Uh, you don't have to think about free sparring anymore. You, you now know what to do when this happens. And then hopefully you've taken that, that's that next step in your mind in a self-defense encounter. What would you then do if someone, um, that approached you asking for the time and really what they were looking for is your wallet and your keys and your phone and, um, and decided they were going to, uh, use heavy hand tactics to, uh, compel your, uh, compliance. Right. So, um, and all of a sudden you go like, Oh, I'm no, I'm not the easy lunch, uh, that you're going to have today. And, uh, here's a couple of, uh, techniques, um, um, that you uh, might be, not be aware of or weren't expecting. Um, martial arts and firearms have this clash going on where they don't they don't typically occupy the same space in pop culture. They similarly mm -hmm. occupy a space in self-defense and self-defense law. But in pop culture, they seem to be at odds with each other. And to the point that I think that some people might be listening to this episode and thinking, why are you talking about guns on a martial <laughs> arts podcast? And that's why I wanted, that's why I thought it was so interesting and so important to get your perspective on this of why they might actually be two sides of the same coin. They, they, they absolutely are. Um, so that, that there's a spectrum of self-defense that a lot of people um, have to understand that uh, situational awareness is, is a key component of making sure that you don't catch yourself unaware and find yourself having to go hands-on with someone because you failed somewhere along the line in that spectrum of self-defense that someone was watching you or someone was moving toward you or someone was about to encounter you and you failed to notice that and now you're in that situation. There are obviously circumstances that one could dream up where you're ambushed from someone in some situation. Right. You're getting out of your car in the parking lot and poof, there's someone there because you didn't notice them hiding behind the car and, and who's, who is looking at every, you know, square inch of the vehicle next to them when yeah. they, when they drive up. 
it might be nice to know um have some empty hand skills set on that one before you have to go to a deadly force tool set or a force multiplier such as a, a firearm well if, um, but if they decide that they're going to escalate it to a deadly force against you that might be your best option yeah let's let's say let's say they're bigger or or situationally you had your hands full you were wearing an attire that's not necessarily conducive to martial arts or you find yourself in a space where you can't fight yourself in the normal fashion that you're used to and you find yourself on your back um or up against the up against a uh, wall or shoved in a corner there's a hundred. There's a hundred different situations. Oh yeah, 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 where exactly you're not in your sparring stance with your gear on and you're and you're ready to go. You've got hands full of groceries, or you're distracted. You're wearing cumbersome clothing. There's any number of different things that might come up. And now you find yourself on the wrong end of a possibly deadly threat. So if all else fails, you have one last resort to use. In martial arts, and we train that way, that we are facing a one-to-one sparring fight. As someone who's also going to follow the same rules that we and, are and agreeing it, to. Yes, and there is an artificial rule set. To, they, they, no punching to the face. Right, <laughs> yeah. <You gotta> tell <laughs> um, don't, the, kick below, don't kick below the groin. The guy uh, pulls okay. out a knife and asks you for your wallet and you say, okay, and, but you like, don't kick me in the face. <laughs> It's not, it's not the same pressure that yeah. you'll get from an attacker who is not holding back, who means to harm you. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in getting your concealed carry permit, um, check to see um, what hoops you might have to jump through in your state. If you're looking to maybe carry, uh, each state um, is a bit different. Um, if you guys live in the kind of Concord, Charlotte area in North Carolina, um, head over to rightsitetraining.com. Um, you can go to Mr. Baxter's class. Um, it's a great class. I've sat in on it many times. And um, for more information on that, that'll be linked in the show notes um, in the uh, in the podcast episode at hellotaekwondo.com. I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I want to thank you for sharing your uh, great insight on this very confusing and complicated world to the <laughs> uninitiated, right? For the people who, who aren't in this world, it seems like a lot. But I think with with just like training in Taekwondo, I think with training, they they could be able to pick up on the nuances of self-defense law as well. Do you think? If you're already a martial artist, you're probably, that's why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> you've probably been doing Taekwondo and that's what brought you here. Um, if you are interested in learning um, the use of deadly force or learning at least the handgun safety aspect of firearms, um, I would cer- certainly seek out um, a qualified instructor in your area um there are many in the concealedcarry.com uh network of instructors uh, uh the guardian nation has um quite a few instructors around the around the u.s um there is uh instructors in the u.s cca or united states uh, concealed carry association you can look those guys up they're also very good instructors so you'll 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 find some out there. Um, I would certainly uh, don't shy away from um, courses that are of any particular length. Um, my course is eight hours long, and I find that time to be somewhat restrictive to try to get as much information 
into the heads of my students. Wow. Um, Eight hours and, and, and that, that's not even enough. It's, it's not, it's not that much. And unfortunately people think that if they just buy a gun, somehow it's like a magic talisman, they're going to be magically bulletproof and bullets will fly past them and that they will always hit their target. And the reality of it is that once the, uh, once the, um, the, the range that they're now find themselves on has is a two-way range versus a one-way range right, right. and bullets are flying in both directions. Um, oftentimes all that, uh, all that gusto that they had on the internet and all and social media, well, I'll just shoot them one time with my 45 and that'll be done. And, and it's not that easy. Folks, it really, it really isn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would recommend to anyone listening, make sure you know the law. And if you're interested in, in getting a mm -hmm. firearm, get the proper training for it. Like Mr. Vector just said, getting the firearm does not give you the training. Buying a violin does not make you a musician. Yeah. Get the training. If you're going to spend uh, that much money on a, on a tool that's, uh, that you can use as a, uh, that could potentially, be lethal and take someone's life go get the training to find out when you can do that legally and and how to do it properly and survive the uh survive the fight mr baxter thank you for coming on the show it's been a pleasure having you absolutely i look forward to uh hearing more of these thanks for listening guys that's going to be the end of our episode today. Remember, next week, uh, we're going to have a part two of this same conversation here with Mr. Baxter. Um, next week, we're going to dive even deeper and get into the nitty gritty of self-defense law, talking about the five pillars of self-defense law, stuff that you should know so that you make sure that you don't end up getting arrested when all you were doing was trying to defend yourself. And we're also going to talk about the different stages of situational awareness so that you can better stay out of these situations in the first place and you're always aware of danger that's around you. So make sure you guys are looking for that episode next week. To make sure that you don't miss it, I'm going to invite you to head on over to hellotaekwondo.com. You can subscribe there to get emails delivered straight to your inbox. That's it for today, guys. I'm going to leave you with a short preview of next week's episode. And until then, you guys keep kicking and I'll see you on the next episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast. Exactly. And, and obviously one of the indicators is if you change direction and they change direction to intercept, that right there is a big indicator that is now moving on to um, level red the threat is verified and then now you must uh execute necessary action what does that what does that look like so if, if let's take it let's take a look at it from both both angles from a martial artist angle and from someone who may be concealed carrying if we split those what action would you take as a martial artist